Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello to anyone listening. This is the Robert Lego podcast. It's going to feel a little different <laughs> since on, on the last episode we finished the bathroom reader i don't have like those random facts um i'm sure if i look at my uh, little notepad that i carry or my phone notes i'll find uh, random things on there but uh this time i'm not <laughs> prepared like that uh so i if i come across another similar book with just little quick um little bites i might start doing that at the beginning i kind of got used to that i don't know if you enjoyed that or not but okay so uh it, like i said it's going to feel a little different we're just going to jump into a couple of things that i uh watched and came across and um and a book that i read that's that's uh the it kind of made me feel like when i watched what's it called um black mirror where it just it it hits you on such a level that you you're just left kind of thinking about it for a few days uh but we'll get to that anyway so um conspiracy theory of everything was the uh documentary that i came across i i was online on like some some forum or something and i saw this pop up and so i just bookmarked it and uh come to find it's like it came out like over a year ago let me see 2021 april 3rd that's so odd um it's almost like it, it there's i i always look at the dates and sometimes weird patterns pop up i, I don't know necessarily that i would subscribe fully to like the numerology and uh the the what is it gematria is is fascinating to me but uh, i don't do the numerology astrology stuff too much it's it it's always interesting um but uh april 3rd 2021 it's like 432021 i don't know it just it seemed like a like a weird meaning behind that um Unless it's like some intentional meaning. Anyway, okay. So this documentary is so long. I don't know that I would really recommend it. Um, it's it's uploaded by this channel, AS Flourish. So I don't know if it matters um, whether it's capital or not, but it's AS capital and uh, Flourish is, is uh, not uh anyway so this thing is is it's definitely something that you can only consume if you're kind of a, a veteran of conspiracy theory so to speak that you know enough to kind of uh 
understand certain things just jumping into them because they jump subjects so um so much in this thing that obviously it's trying to connect all the different conspiracy theories and it, it's it's i mean it's not a bad job and to an extent i do believe that a lot of the conspiracies are connected but um i don't know it's, it's just it's really difficult to consume something like that i think that's why most times you find like a documentary just focusing let's say on corrupt politics or the banking system or whatever area of conspiracy that you want to reveal it's like you rarely just kind of summarize everything together and that's uh, again it, they had a really good effort at uh, trying to combine all the different theories uh, some it, it gets a little if I'm not mistaken man I saw this a couple of weeks back but I do believe that yes they talk about aliens and portals and really out there stuff and I, I'm not one to just dismiss anything like that but it's something that I'm not going to bring up when I'm talking to just uh, uh, another I don't know, even another thinker. There's certain theories out there like the, um, I don't know what's a good example. Like the uh, shape-shifting stuff, you probably don't want to pull that one out like right when you start talking theories with somebody. Like it's one of those that it's, it's really out there, but uh, unfortunately there is some real interesting stuff there with uh, David Icke and Essentially, what happened in the U.S. with Epstein is what happened uh, in um, Europe. Ah, man, I thought I had this note. I don't think I saved it on my phone, but I, I wanted to have the, the stuff ready because... So he pointed out this pedophile ring, and then it turns out that there was some involvement in that and then it, there was just an uproar and it, things just got really crazy where everybody's just uh, up in arms and ready to like really bring this thing down uh, and I don't know exactly how they were pacified and I, I saw this in, in am I to, is it even this documentary? I think it was just a video on Ike and they mentioned and, and uh, you know I See, this is the problem also with it being as long as it is that I there's not really any chapters or markers or notes. And so I OK, I think I saw a reptilian eye here. Yeah, it might have been this documentary. And uh, so David Icke brought to light some uh, corruption and uh, I believe there was pedophilia ties to um, government. And um, they kind of thought that it was like this huge thing, which is kind of the same thing with Epstein, where they realized like, wait, no, this guy's a part of something bigger. Like there's there's other names here. And then it, everybody just kind of got pacified. And as soon as all this, uh, I heard it labeled C-19, as soon as all the C-19 stuff popped up, that's when... Uh, like uh, all the talk about, hey, what did we round up all the pedophiles? Like it, all that talk was was kind of gone, and um, but it was 
like it was revealed in in Europe or England or wherever it was by a guy that claimed to know that there's reptilians shape-shifting reptilians that are like among us it's essentially if you watch they live that that film it kind of illustrates in a i guess easier to digest the way the whole concept of what David Icke is uh claiming that there's a signal being emanated from the moon the, the moon is hollow and there's uh, some stuff underground and I, I i hope i'm not adding i i hope i'm not adding conspiracy to anybody's mouth cuz now I'm, it feels like uh what's his name hoglin with all the moon stuff but anyway he uh, believed that it's like a a veil that's in front of everybody's eyes and nobody can really see that these are reptilians and uh, they're um, masking themselves as humans. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have three hours, 44 minutes and 22 seconds to spare, or you're maybe cleaning or doing some menial chore, maybe you can put that in the background and just kind of go through it and listen to everything. I don't, to be honest, it, it nothing really like um, how do you say like popped as propaganda or like lies or trying to sway it, and I, I do believe that the whole part with the nine eleven, it only covered the whole thing being orchestrated, if I'm not mistaken, and that uh, that's that's kind of where they leave it, and it, it's one that apart from the group that was all podcasting on talk show there's not many people kind of talking about it being like a that suspicious of an event it's kind of like there there's the first level and that level is that uh the people knew that the event was going to take place and then there's how do you say the the uh, people that dug into it a little deeper and, and realized that there's so much more behind it. There's like money ties. There's, I remember I even researched that the cost of steel was even one thing where there was some sort of agreement and something passed where we ended up getting all the steel from the towers, selling it to, was it India and somewhere else? And then as soon as we started rebuilding, the price of steel went up and then we started buying steel back to, if I'm not mistaken, the same people we sold it to. It, it was really like a weird uh, turn of events. Uh, but there's some stuff there that even I myself, I I, I explain it easier by uh, by letting people know that I looked at it through my field of work, and since I work on elevators, I figured, you know what, let me s figure how, because, I, I mean, everything was in the air, and I really didn't know, and until you understand the whole fakery, there's like a an off-road that kind of gets you off the wrong path where they start talking about holograms or radio-controlled planes, but even before that, there's like so much evidence of people not allowed to enter the towers at all that morning that were turned away these are real people that you talk to it's not like somebody on on a video or anything or uh, on an interview i mean and 
there is uh, this whole thing that I looked into where there's only one elevator guy that, that passed and he, uh, I, I couldn't really find much evidence for him or the memorial or any of that. And it's weird because when you talk about stuff like that, sometimes uh, things pop up and are either changed or uh, blocked. Like when we used to use the social security death index and now I don't believe that you're allowed to. Um, anyway, so, okay, so conspiracy theory of everything. Um, it says full movie re-upload, but I guess it was from April 3rd, 2021. And I actually, I didn't even check these this person's other videos. It looks like, yeah, it's just this video, I guess. Yeah, that's the one and only video. One video, 900 subscribers, 934. All right. So, yeah, that. And uh, the thing that I am going through now that I'm going to... I might get stuff to talk about. It's uh, this book from a podcast that I listen to called Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. It's by Ben Bolin with... Bolin? With uh, Matt Frederick and Noel Brown. And the podcast is kind of cool. It feels like the like a lone gunman kind of thing where they're like in a back room of a building just recording uh, uh, con- talk about like conspiracies or subjects that are just too taboo to talk about. Uh, but this book is is really smart in kind of the way they dive into the conspiracies. It's kind of like what Jim Mars does in that it, Jim Mars can connect a bunch of conspiracies together, but it's almost like there's their seasons of a t- television show because like it'll be one chapter explaining the Masons and then it switches and then it'll go into the Rosicrucians and he has a very uh, fun way of kind of connecting the two and just uh, fluidly going from subject to subject. But um, I think that in, especially now there's some tricks like uh, obviously like even this, even now, like when I'm even recording, I don't like to say the, the name of that, that, uh, that thing that happened couple years back that's why i i've kind of thought of c19 is hopefully okay enough where it's not kind of uh how do you say um tripping a bunch of flags in this because that not to be as paranoid but this audio recording that i'm doing now i don't put ads on it i don't i don't know i hope I really, really hope there's no ads in between the audio because I never re-listen to one. I, I only if I needed to edit something like that I'm looking for, but I, I rarely ever go into and listen to it. But uh, I, I really don't like that there's ads that just get thrown into my audio. And I, I uploaded clean, and then the first couple minutes is ads, and I'm assuming it ends with ads as well. But um, it feels like there's certain ways that you got to kind of tactfully bring up conspiracies, especially now. Uh, Huge ones that, again, the term that I used earlier, 
that only veterans should kind of try to do is that uh, all, all those crazy subjects. Um, but okay, so I- I- internet comment etiquette with Eric. I guess he just says Eric has, I feel, one of the best ways to present conspiracies that I've seen, where he kind of brings it up as a joke, and sometimes he's with it, sometimes he's not, but it's almost brought up in humor every time. And he will say certain things. I I, I really just, <clears throat> I'm not sure I'm doing a good job at explaining what it is that he does, but I feel that that's kind of a safer way to kind of go through conspiracies there's certain subjects that the moment that you bring them up, the person will, will kind of just go like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you saying that you believe that blah, blah, blah? Like that the uh, flat earth is an uh, interesting one. The the few times that in, in just the casual conversation, I brought up that I um, there's certain things that make you think about the flat earth theory and there's certain experiments that I've seen not firsthand but I that I've read about that really make you think not to mention that all the NASA stuff you can't really trust and I probably wouldn't get through all of that before the person that I might be talking to could interrupt and say "Wait, wait wait are you saying the you don't think the earth is round and it's like, no, no, no. Uh, what I'm saying is that it, it it could be possible that it's larger than they tell us or that there is certain areas that we really don't know. Or the, I, I just don't know. There's It's something that uh, even with my uh, um, st- skeptical mind, the math that I did, uh, I keep talking about it. I hope that it's uh, still up there. I, I kind of did some tests and everything kind of checked out like uh, essentially all i checked was at a really high uh, line of sight i measured where the horizon was uh, like um disappearing where the uh, line of sight is is completely gone essentially where the exact point of the horizon is and how much of estimated of course how much of the land can i see up to that and there is how do you say, um, like formulas that are already set up where you just put up, type in, hey, I'm 6,000 feet elevation. I'm looking down, which is where I was. Uh, I'm looking down at Denver. How many, how much of the uh, earth should I be able to see before the horizon kind of, it, it just fades? And that that was the biggest problem that, most things in the distance fade. They don't kind of go over a hump as if the Earth were that round, which just means that it's probably too large to be seen from our perspective. Um, but it all checked out. All the uh, the formulas that I um, messed with, the distance, the estimates from where I was to, I think I was in the flat irons, I think it's called. And then I'm looking down at Denver and then it said like so many miles is where you you shouldn't be able to see any more land. Uh, and like I did some math about the plane. Like if I could theoretically look out the front of the plane, can I see curvature? Or should I be able to? And 
even that it, it's it's so small that uh it could potentially look round i would think if the dip of the curvature is actually going to be i think it, i measured like 90 degrees so you're looking straight and it's 45 degrees to your right 45 degrees to your left and at that distance it's only going to be about uh was it a hundred feet it wasn't a large amount something that would be very difficult to to distinguish with the naked eye um what was that a tangent um but yeah if you're interested in hearing what i'm talking about and a lot of his stuff is kind of centered around how should you behave online so he makes uh, silly comments and it's a whole thing it's it's not played off serious at all it's it's actually very silly very goofy um and i have another youtube channel to recommend too but here let me clear some of these tabs uh, okay so oh, should i get into the thing last yeah okay so first let me tell you about the book I read. I'm going to be vague. I at first thought like, hey, I could do like a review, even though it's like a, it's essentially a, a comic, like a comic book. It uh, kind of feels weird to me, I feel, to kind of go through the whole thing. And then he said this and then this happened. But it, it's um, Junji Jun Ito. And the book that I read was no longer human. And this is, it's not like it, it's a historical thing or anything. It's fiction, but it's so fascinating that I want to say that it was, was it the opposite? He's like a, a, a man that you wouldn't expect to write such dark stuff. Uh, and his life is all peaceful and happy and everything. And anyway, so in this book, uh, No Longer Human, sorry if I keep making noise, it's this this guy's stories have actually been turned into an animated thing. And the little that I saw feels like they really dropped the ball in feeling that cringe. I really recommend so far. I've only read, I want to say three, maybe four of his stories. Uh, Gyo, 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 yeah, G-Y-O, I believe it's called, is uh, one that I read where the military does these experiments and this fish, fish kind just gets like uh, mechanical legs that work off of steam and start coming out of the ocean and attacking people and infecting them. It's, it's really dark and scary and it just feels like so... Uh, horrific and, and um, helpless and he's really good at like capturing that that helplessness or that that scary moment so in this book this is why I didn't want to go through all of it because there's a lot of things that happen where it's kind of one of those stories where you can kind of reread and kind of discover new things every time and it starts, it's really dark in that it's this child that 
uh, grows up, he uh, goes through molestation, and he kind of copes with it by being like a goofball and making everybody laugh is kind of like what feels right. And so he pretends to, I don't know, be clumsy or something. And all throughout, I, I don't remember where or if if it was ever like hinted or anything, but he ends up being kind of like a ladies man. And so the bad thing is it's kind of like, like bedazzled. It's, there's like a, a dark side to it. Like he, I guess he was lonely and he wanted company of women. Somehow he ended up getting this ability where he desires women and he gets them. And these are women that are married or that are not people he should be sleeping with. And so uh, that alongside with, it's almost like the, um, how do you say, what is that called? It's like an archetype of, of sin, of all different things. And it, it kind of like a good story where the villain of the thing is not really present. There's just a lot of things that are going on. And the, how do you say, the consequences of essentially the villain is created through the consequences and it kind of allows you to empathize more with the character and this is exactly what this does it lets you kind of go through this thing where this guy is kind of like not um what is it, it, it he has a lot of things that he's just like uh how would you say passive about like he is writing depression a lot and there's like uh attempted suicides in the uh story um sorry if that's uh like a touchy subject this one is definitely not for you <clears throat> it's there's um there's essentially like a couple's suicide that is attempted and the main character fails at it and his partner dies and he doesn't. And that's one of the few things that he does where it, essentially it's him kind of going through his destructive path. And at some times it's almost like a Mike Flanagan bit where it all, it will almost jump into like a hallucination that ends up being like a nightmare, but it's like a, how would you say like a precursor, like a, like a, like a vision of something to come. And, uh, it, it it's, it, it, I'm trying to flip through and, and get more of, uh, it, later on he becomes a painter and he, this is like after he's been with a couple of, uh, partners and he suffers from um, I, I guess this one's important to bring up I'm trying not to bring up every single thing so that when you read it it's a little new as well but uh, later on he gets with a girl that's very innocent very naive and uh, he ends up being um, uh, feels betrayed by her and that kind of builds this rift between them and makes it where 
uh, she doesn't trust anyone and she's paranoid and looking over her shoulder and it's kind of uh, the the motif kind of showing you how most people that he encounters and affects, he affects them in a negative way and they suffer because of it. And so throughout all his life and taking advantage of things and, and just go doing all the terrible things that he does, you kind of go along almost like uh, Scarface where you kind of go along for the ride and you you see everything or maybe Breaking Bad is like a more modern uh, thing. But so towards the end, he gets into uh, drug addiction and he, um, of course, there's so much destruction around that. And uh, for that reason, it feels so real and so modern. What, what was the date when this was made? Let me see when it was originally... Um, because that part feels very, um, realistic. Do they tell you publish 1948? Um, there was opium back then, right? Morphine. And okay. So after he's done his destruction, he's kind of suffering for his sins. And there's a spot that just becomes so how would you say uh, spiritual that he's essentially like in a dark pit and he's kind of floating down like weightless and he looks down and he can see like the this uh, it's like a Japanese version of that famous painting oh it's on my phone also uh, there's this famous painting where it's like the the levels of hell or something and it shows all these people like uh, suffering everywhere. And this is exactly that. Like there's here, I'll, I'll tell you some of the things there's like people impaled on just spikes towards the top. The um, there's some people that are hanging from their arms. There's people being burned on like a, a grate and others that are just hung upside down and burning. Others are like being burned by demons and water there's others that are like on a spic uh, being roasted one being pulled out of the water with a sword being stabbed at his back by a demon um, there's even a, like a demon this one really got me there's a, one where this guy this demon is chopping up a person it looks like a woman and he's slicing her up like like layers like uh, how do you say like 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 he slices and then a couple inches in and he slices again and uh it's like a, a human there's um tigers eating a person there's more demons torturing people burning them and i guess hot oil or hot water and then some are like hung on poles and stuff but um so <laughs> it, it's so crazy it's almost like i wish that this drawing were bigger or maybe multiple pages so that i can see more detail um although it's really detailed already but anyway so he's falling and uh as he's falling he's kind of facing all the things that he did and okay i had to get a drink yeah so as he's falling he has to um, expel like he has to throw up all his sins all the people that he's hurt and 
this whole time he's kind of like hovering, which made me think of uh, dreams I've had where I'm trying to run away from something and I either am not touching the ground or I'm like kind of floating like a balloon that's got half its helium gone. And I try to, and I'm like struggling to move. It's almost like I'm, I'm in a pool. I'm floating. Um, and, uh, this is how this was. He, he keeps going and going and the more he throws up, uh, and then by the way that he's throwing up like massive things, it's not like a realistic depiction of it. Um, uh, it's, it's like actual people. Like it looks like people coming out, um, all the people that he's hurt and he, um, he's, how do you say getting, um, lighter like he's not dropping as fast the more that he does it and so he realizes like oh i gotta get all this out and um what happens does he just fall or wake up this is what i mean like there's oh yeah so it goes into like some really um uh, gory depictions and more like he all his uh sexual escapades a lot of the women are there um and they're like grabbing him and falling with him and stuff too. Yeah, it switches to like a weird abstract thing and then he's at a temple. Um but yeah, this is definitely one of those that uh, depicts kind of the struggles of even family and uh I don't know, trust issues and um I mean, it even covers addiction, it covers so many things and the ultimate uh, gut punch that that it had towards the end is uh, this isn't is this a spoiler maybe skip forward um, a minute at most uh, so you don't hear this this ending not that it's really going to spoil anything but if you are going to read this then yeah and you don't want to hear um, you can um, skip forward a minute uh, the, so towards the end, he, um, let me see, let me see. It's kind of like the no country for old men where he's in an unhappy situation. And it made me think of somebody that I know that, uh, I, I kind of saw how God works and, he, this guy was borderline um, misogynistic. I, I guess some would say he's full on misogynistic, but uh, uh, anyway, so he was who I just said, and he ended up cheating. So when his whole life shifted and changed, and every uh, the the acts, his 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 uh, consequences came to be. He ended up uh, separating and all of that. And when, as you can tell, I'm being really vague. When he got with the new partner, I uh, had heard, I don't know this for a fact, but I had heard that. Um, so before he was kind of like, uh, oh, I could stare at women. My uh, partner doesn't care. And that time he did in front of this person that was telling me and his partner just flipped out and and. It made it basically very clear that it, he's not to look at other women when he's uh, uh, with her. Uh, 
and um, it's interesting because it, it's almost like that balance. I guess it, it, some people could call it karma, in that it's almost like a balance that he needed to kind of be brought down. It makes me think of uh, Bill Burr. I, I keep hearing people say that it's like the he has to be with the partner like Nia because he's a crazy, hot-headed um, um, redhead. And so he needs, and he's an angry Irishman, so he needs to be kind of like brought down uh, or, or um, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, so it, it, the whole thing is just so sad. The, the, the ending him kind of just, it, it's almost like, uh, again, like the, uh, no country for old men in that it, it's, it, although it's not a literal thing, it, it's really a death. Like he's so broken at the end that he's, uh, as the story illustrates, he's no longer human. He's, uh, how do you say, he's been so focused on his obsessions that he kind of just became a shell, and he and it, it's. It's really bothersome to me. It's funny because uh, No Country for Old Men, I, I saw a few times and I couldn't really pinpoint why at the end it really would would bother me. It would give me like a really bad feeling, almost like I kind of had hoped that the character had died in a gunfight with a villain and that that's kind of how his end happened rather than the ending that the movie actually has. But, okay. Oh, man, do I just have, like, 20 minutes now? We might go long on this one. Let's see. So, I um, came across this thing. It's kind of a bit of a spiral. This is where we truly get into the subject. I first have always been curious about the the Sphinx. If you've ever um, heard, like, uh, what's his name? Robert Shock. He's been on Rogan. Um, Robert Shock and Anthony West. And I, I guess a lot of the guys from um, that, um, how do you say, like our archaeologists for Egypt or anybody that studied Egypt, everybody's, uh, I, I would think that the majority of them have come across the theory of the Hall of Records that's hidden allegedly hidden under the Sphinx. And it's interesting because um, the main thing where this all kind of comes from is from Edward Casey. He was like a, almost like a medium. He would go into trances and uh, how do you say detail events that were yet to come out uh, yet, yet to come. Um, like a come about I should say and um, he I, I was reading some of this on here that he didn't even know the things that he said half the time like he would come out of a trance and not even know uh, at all what he um, mentioned or, or talked about and uh, so let me see 
Given all the span of 43 years, he said, uh, three periods of destruction occurring around 10,500 BCE. So a lot of it, it, because of Casey, a lot of what the Hall of Records is believed to be is the, uh, how do you say, um, historical records of the uh, Atlantis and um I, I have a feeling that the majority of like historical um it, it, like people that have studied this are in agreement that Atlantis did exist but it's still like in the air on how it really went down or disappeared or went up or wh what have you like it, there's so many theories on it but at least in this article, the main thing that it kind of, uh, how do you say, pursues the thing that it's that's in its crosshairs, is uh, essentially records of Atlantis or, or um, just uh, historical records from the time of Atlantis. And let me see. So it, this article, uh, by the way, is on Mysterious Universe, the podcast I'm always podcasting about, and is an article that just came out, I believe. The Atlantean Hall of Records under the Sphinx Temple. Will we ever find it? Is the full thing. And, okay, so I uh, just thought that the whole thing, when they say, oh, it's the Hall of Records, I've heard of in the uh, Iraq, there's a lot of, uh, there were scrolls and records that were kept in jars, and obviously the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in jars. But I, I almost imagine like a almost like a walk-in closet with a bunch of shelves and just a bunch of jars everywhere, and that's the records that we're talking about. But I don't know. It, it could be books. Who, who knows? It's kind of a good thing that it hasn't been discovered uh, up until now because. Back in the day, there was just so much done that I, even on this article, they talked about in 18, what was it, 1840, uh, 1925, in 1926, there was, uh, they made a hole, 19, yeah, in this photograph, 1925, there's... Uh, like things that they did to uncover it and there's the sphinx wasn't in the shape that it's in now like they did some restoration on it and this this whole article has like a lot of really great uh, pictures kind of depicting before it was worked on and all the structures around it but uh the other thing that that has always been brought up is whether what the nose looked like or whether it ever had a nose and I remember in elementary they said that the the Napoleon was believed to have used um, the nose as um, what's it called as uh, target practice, but I don't know. That sounds like the story of the Native Americans when uh, the settlers came and it was all happy and sharing meals and stuff. Uh, so Casey, let me see what else, what else? Um, yeah, so I didn't know this and it kind of makes sense to that. There is a metal hatch on the head of the Sphinx and there's two 
points where it seems that there was uh, like um, what do they call it? Um, standing in a hole with the metal hatch, uh, an anchoring point for the crown of the Sphinx, and so it's believed that the um, head of the Sphinx had an actual crown, maybe golden, maybe not. I don't know, but it would make sense kind of both ways. I could kind of imagine like the pyramids being just such a uh, amazing feat to just look at. They say that it might have been covered in limestone or in it just any color besides what it is now would be so magnificent to see. Like you'd approach this this empire and witness these amazing structures that are just so vibrant, just shining down on this, this giant place. And I've been going through the books in the Bible and it really gave me a feel for how a lot of the, um, like obviously the Pharaohs, but a lot of the, even the tribes, the, the Jews and all the different, um, uh, tribes that were in in, the, in that area were all kind of worshiping their own god, and there was kind of like a battle of the gods, so to speak, with with people. And the way that they describe that is, it's like they wanted to honor their god, so they built this thing and they built this structure. And when the uh, Jews settled in a certain area, one of the um, kings that took over built towers to defend into like it, it's it gives you this this scope that when you didn't know how big your continent was or who lives where or anything it kind of i i could see how it kind of meant a lot to kind of show uh, almost like i don't know like a it, uh, like a sports team having another team coming to their ho- home um, whatever court or whatever, and witnessing like their all their trophies in the hallway or something, or uh, an amazing mural or uh, just a, a cool achievements or just having a foreign person come into something like that must have been amazing. And this is something you see in churches everywhere. They're they're meant to kind of give you that sense of awe. This this ceiling that feels never ending up into the ceiling, uh, up into the sky. And I'm meeting at one point, almost like if it was a, like an infinite tower touching the sky and, uh, connecting you with a, like a higher spiritual thing. But back then I, I can completely imagine like the Sphinx being completely either painted or having a different material, different stone over it. And maybe even having a uh, some sort of structure like a crown or some decoration on its head. I, I could totally see that. But so the Sphinx is meant to go. Uh, so it goes west to east is uh, where it's facing. Now, the reason why I looked that up was because the claims by Casey were that it was going to be a a hallway, like a walkway that is through the, let me make sure I'm still recording. Yes. 
that goes through the um, those axes. It goes from east to west, not north to south. And through this article, you find that there's a lot of different passages that they have already found uh, around the Sphinx. And uh, it's not, it even says on there, it's not like they're trying to hide it or uh, misdirect people on it. it. These have been documented that they've been, um, um, how do you say, uh, excavated and, and, um, there's records of them. Um, but I'm trying to find there's water pockets. They, they did a bunch of ground penetrating radar. And first it was these two Egyptologists. Oh man. I, I wish there was like a highlighter for, web pages because I want to just give you the name of the uh, archaeologist. Um, this tunnel had been discovered by Bariz, Bariz in 1926 and sealed up later. Um, all right. I think it was after that guy. And then... Space between so um Tutmosis the fourth was that the guy was set up by the Pharaoh Tutmosis the fourth okay so it's said that it's supposed to be this they think that it was supposed to be the Pharaoh uh Caffrey um fourth dynasty during the old kingdom son of Khufu, successor of Jerdefre. Um, not that important, but... Okay, so yeah, in the 1970s, they did a bunch of ground-penetrating radar. And I, I don't really know. I mean, the movies make it seem like you can just do that and kind of get a giant area around. But you must need to be doing that multiple areas, or it must not be something that you can just kind of like browse around and be like, whoa, look at all those tunnels. Because uh, in the 1970s, they did it. And then in uh, in 87, a Japanese team from the Waseda University in Tokyo did a electromagnetic uh, surrounding survey of the sanctuary of the Sphinx. And then they found like water pockets and uh, I guess like cavities and stuff um, near the north hind paw. And that's where it starts getting like, wait, didn't he say east to west? And uh, there's multiple like other tunnels. What was that? Another survey team? Yeah. See, in, in 91, that's when these guys I know, uh, Robert Shock and John Anthony West. Did I say that earlier? Well, that's who I meant. Uh, they found subsurface cavities in the front and the front left paw and extending from the left paw back along the flank. By the way, Casey claimed that the, um, how do you say, the <clears throat> Hall of Records was going to be found between the Sphinx and, I was it a, a, a river on the other side? Like, it, it, it's not like he's saying literally under the paw. And it, it's a long area. So for all we know, it could be, I don't know, a couple hundred feet away from the Sphinx. 
So it's not like we can just put a shovel to it and start looking. It's a little more complicated than that. Um, yeah, so then, yeah, Robert Schock came in and they found cavities. Florida State University in association with SCAR Foundation carried out seismographic surveys and ground scans around the Sphinx and elsewhere, the Giza Plateau in 1996. Um and Edgar Casey Foundation Research and Enlightenment, there'd be little doubt. Uh, their objective was to locate the Hall of Records. They claim they have found rooms and tunnels in front of the Sphinx and running from the rear of the Sphinx. Clearly, all the ground scans carried out till date indicate that the network chambers and tunnel exist under the Sphinx oriented in different directions. Yeah, see... But it, the thing is that uh, ultimately, like, he kind of perceived that we were going to find them, I think it was in 1941. And, of course, that came and went and nothing happened. So it could still be that the foundation, the Casey Foundation, did find it and they're going through them. Or it could be that they were covered up. Uh, but more realistically, it just unfortunately didn't come to be. Um it's uh, it, it doesn't feel like it's a hundred percent a fact because like the uh book that I went through that I still owe you the audio uh it's because I kind of stumbled with the site, so I need to um write that article so I could kind of have those all out together but anyway, the whole thing with the giants um is really covered up primarily by the Smithsonian. And that is is like something I believe really did happen. So I could totally see how the thing was just kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, pushed under the rug, so to speak. Um, by the way, this article is from Bibhu de Mizra, uh, is the author that wrote this Um so, yeah, the Sphinx is facing west to east. It's Giza Plateau. Okay, so uh, last thing that I have, and uh, again, uh, going through the Bible, I keep um, imagining how <clears throat> each group was kind of uh, worshipping their own God and kind of uh, idolizing them in their own way. And... Um, all around the world, it seems like the the way that you kind of honor God is to build something amazing where you can worship his glory through the work that you're doing on earth. It's it's <clears throat> like a, a work towards the the deity. And I came across this thing that made me think it's called... And there's a, the channel that actually brought this to my attention is Praveen Mohan, uh, P-R-A-V-E-E-N, last name M-O-H-A-N. Uh, I only went through this video, but I see that he has a ton of them. So I'm going to need to spend some time with his stuff because this one is really amazing. So he goes through this... Um, Hoysaleswara Temple in India and he 
uh, argues that these amazing pillars that were created are created through uh, like a machining process. It's almost imagine like a uh, leg of a table, like it's a spinning tube and uh, another instrument is used to carve out the material you don't want and essentially creating grooves and details. And so the uh, pillars that are here are like, what are they, like three meters wide? Let me see, what, where is it? They're like, uh, I thought it, was, it said here, they're, they're, they're just massive. You can see people standing by them. It, interesting thing, too, though, is that this temple is, is very large, and the farther you go in, the la less light that goes in, and the intricacy of the um, the carvings gets more detailed and, and amazing. Like, <clears throat> uh, I believe it's all through his video. There's spots in and certain carvings that are so precise that they're uh, closer than three millimeters. In other words, um, wait, what's a three millimeter um, reference? I'm wondering if that what what exact thickness is. Um, how would I find it, it's so tiny but I, I just wish I knew uh, comparison maybe comparison <clears throat> okay so alright let me see there's some coins here let's see if this helps uh, four millimeter. What is this telling me? Okay, I'm not sure. But okay, it just it just <laughs> just take it for what it is. It's three millimeter distance. So they're carving like this statue. Imagine like a something that's carved out of solid rock, and then having, um, I don't know, like uh, in in one instance, it was a goddess that has a necklace, and the necklace is not actually sitting on her chest. It's actually lifted up. And just the sheer fact that they carved underneath this, the precision is just incredible. <clears throat> but uh, the pillars are just like the starting point. And then the farther you get in, there's so many more um, amazing um, carvings that you can really only see the way that they did in the video by shining light on it. And you could kind of see that tiny, tiny gap that's between the different uh, parts of the statue. But the pillars that are perfectly like uh, uh, cylindrical have these carvings that are almost like, imagine the sound wave, even the sound wave for this podcast, having little spikes and dips. But because they're so drastic, it almost feels like it looks like it's records or plates that are stacked up. And these, I mean, there's no way to build these where they're standing. They must have been like manufactured elsewhere and brought in. Uh, and then when on one of the, the statues, you see this, uh, what is it? What do you call it? 
Masana Bairava is this instrument that the one of the <clears throat> goddesses has, and she has like multiple arms uh, showing like a, omnipotence. Is that what it is? Or like uh, abilities or, or like being more than human has more capability than a, two arms. Anyway, um, this tool looks like almost like two discs that are interlaid like a gear. And the uh, apparently when you count the little spikes on it, it drops to a ratio of half. Um, which always makes me think in, in electricity, when you mess with amperage, uh, amperage and voltage are both uh, kind of hand in hand. They're, they're kind of talking about two aspects of the same thing, electricity. And <clears throat> one is like the amount going through. The other one is the amount of pressure going through. And so pressure, you can do a lot. That's what Tesla did. But um <clears throat> Uh, flow is is very dangerous. Like if you have high amperage, it could easily kill you, but high voltage might not, hence tasers and, and all that. Um, but <clears throat> when you're messing with those, those things, it, it, it's essentially what a transformer is doing. You're stepping up and stepping down these things. And so there's, uh, uh, I always like electricity because I feel it's an example of something that, we're constantly using every day. We work with every day, yet we don't really know um, what it is in, 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 in a sense. But um, it, it works that way. Like when you have a certain, if you have a certain voltage and certain amperage in this thing, you can use a transformer to either bring down the voltage and that uh, essentially, ultimately, cranks up the amperage or vice versa. If you want it to have really high voltage, then you bring down all that amperage and, and hence a Tesla coil or any and those technologies. But um, the gear, this tool has that and it looks like it has some sort of locking me mechanism, which he says it's like a cotter pin. Um, I could see that. <clears throat> but uh, it's like the goddess of um, measuring, I believe it was, and um, and uh, clearly, like if you're making this whole temple and you're kind of showing mathematic mathematical miracles, and um, I see that there's a lot more stuff like breaking down more stuff in this temple, but uh, there's plenty of stuff around, and I'll, I'll give you couple more before we end this one i i think i did go a little long but isn't that amazing this this temple uh, th there's so many examples like this all around the world where there's structures and and just evidence of uh, i don't know people in the past building things that just don't make sense to uh, the age that the um, person is from um, <clears throat> so I, I knew that there was uh, a bunch of other times I've come across those top 10 weird places around the world. And so I knew that there was one where there was a temple that was against the mountain. 
I don't know if I mentioned it on here, but I kind of did a, a dive into the uh, the temple that supposedly has uh, hieroglyphics. Uh, supposedly has uh, allegedly. I saw a picture. It looks like it to me, but in the Grand Canyon, and so it, it talked about like this hidden thing, and the, you got to get to this spot. And I'm sure now you can't really do it, but the, there's the claim that there's a tribe there that is there and it's protected. So you're not allowed to just go around. And it's one of those things where you really don't want just anybody to go as it is. Like I said, in the seventies, they did so much destruction to Egypt, bringing back like all these, uh, um, all these artifacts and, and mummified bodies and just having like, uh, what was it? Um, unwrapping parties and all that stuff it, it like really gross stuff uh, and disrespect to historical things so the um, places I came across that uh, it, it's like so many more uh, um, amazing places around the world and I would think that back in the day it kind of you had that that worry just like in the Bible where you don't know what enemies there are or if they're down the street or miles away and it meant a lot to have protection none better than having actual stone so there's a bunch of temples around the world that have been carved uh, into mountains uh, I'll read out a few here and I, I'm give you a small description of them one uh Kopenstein Castle in Switzerland is like literally on the side of a mountain and not only that it looks like it's camouflaged like uh, if you were kind of flying by it apart from the squared windows you probably wouldn't really know to look uh, and then there's one Sassi di Matera in Italy this place looks to me and, and makes me think of like those, those uh, stories in the uh, part of it was from the Giants book, um, but they talk about when the settlers were coming that they found a lot of native um, tribes living in certain areas like that. And this kind of made me think of that. Uh, Cliff Palace in USA, That this one, what was it in Colorado? Um Again, it, it's it's amazing. They're, it's like they're carving into the mountain, and I don't know if they're using that as mortar or, or uh, material to build within it. Uh, La Libella churches in Ethiopia. I don't know if those look like they're carved, but they're definitely surrounded by um, rock and it, how, how protected... Uh, Long Men Caves in China. These are amazing. Again, carving. I don't know if this one... Ahanta uh, Caves in India. Uh, Luci Lucian Tombs in Turkey. Um, again, right at the side of the um, mountain and kind of borrowing from like Roman pillar architecture and um, the flat top ceilings and, and all of that. Or not flat top. I mean... Uh, with all the pillars holding the flat uh, ceiling. Mm, another one, uh, Elora in India. Uh, Predjama Castle in Slovenia. 
and Petra and Jordan, which uh, the Jordan one is uh, like north in the Middle East area. I had to search it. I didn't know this. Like Saudi Arabia, like the northern part of it. <clears throat> and I could totally see that like, uh, like, like I'm saying in the, <clears throat> in the um, Bible, they're talking about building structures to protect and so many of these structures feel like that. Like I could totally see the protection that it offers. Let me see if I missed any. There's a second list here. Mm. Yeah, a lot of repeats. Some are just um, <clears throat> more like just a, a literal cave, but others have structures. There's the same one, different angle. Ruins of a fortress in an ancient cave, balm castle in Switzerland. What's this one? Um, Ahanta Caves in India. I don't think I said that earlier. Um, well, another one that looks hidden is the Rappenstein Castle. Oh, I mentioned that one earlier. And there's the church. Wow, there's uh, the... On this other post, I saw the Longmen Caves in China. And it says there are thousands of hand-carved statues. Um, and to scale, you can see like a person standing. And let me see if I could kind of guess. One, two, three, four, five, six. I would guess that it's about 60 or 70 feet tall in comparison to the people. And it's flat out, just like carved right at the side of the mountain. Um, the amount of work and uh, engineering that it took to make that. And um, yeah, go, go through all those. Just search or search the terms that I came up with. I, I guarantee you, you'll, you'll, you'll be amazed. You'll probably go into a... a What's it called? A rabbit hole, just like I did. Um, okay, with that, I think that's all I had. Uh, I covered most of Yeah, I think we're good. That's enough, right? You had enough um, to feed your brain. Um, thank you very much for making it all the way to the end. And I hope I did give you some... Uh, stuff to kind of uh, digest in your brain. Does that sound weird? Is that nasty? Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for listening. I really appreciate it and uh, hope to see you next time. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.